Hello, and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast, episode 21, coming to you virtually from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Greg Heilman. And I'm Matt Haver. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week, we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from L.A. to the U.K. In a few moments, we'll be joined by Seattle photographer Danielle Barnum. We'll share her expertise on headshots and tips to how to use photography to market yourself and your brand as an actor. And it won't be long now before cameras will be flashing on the red carpet at the Oscars on Sunday, April 25th. Yes, there will be a red carpet. Producers say the 93rd Academy Awards will be considerably scaled down, but they are committed to holding an in-person event at Los Angeles' Union Station for nominees, presenters, and limited guests. And we're committed to keeping you updated on the Oscar race and all the contenders with expert input from industry guests and our own humble analysis. Visit our YouTube channel for this week's episode of In the Mix with our special guest filmmaker and producer Scott Breitbarth and our review of Judas and the Black Messiah, which is up for five Oscars, including Best Picture, along with our predictions for who will take home all the rest of those little gold men. So go see Judas and the Black Messiah now through April 1st at the Roxy and mark your calendars for April 2nd and 9th when we'll be joined by friends of the show, UK film critic Matthew Turner and Turner Classic Movies commentator and author Jeremy Arnold, respectively. They'll weigh in on the Oscar race and provide some historical context about the awards and their importance to the film industry. And now we're pleased to be joined by someone who would be right at home snapping photos along the red carpet, Seattle photographer Danielle Barnum. Danielle is a hybrid artist-entrepreneur, having spent more than a decade running a successful photography business all throughout the U.S., and beginning in a previous life as an AEA SAG-AFRA actor and choreographer based in Seattle. Danielle's photographic work reflects her continued passion for working with people and drawing on her theatrical background. Is deeply rooted in storytelling, making it personal, vibrant, and real. Her goal is to showcase you feeling like your best and most authentic self, capturing the essence that is entirely you. Her clientele now includes performers, theatrical promotions, and branding, CEOs, authors, small businesses, families, and adventure lifestyle sessions. Danielle, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. That was a nice little bio read. Thank you for that. It's weird hearing <laughs> it said out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell us about your journey as a photographer. So how long ago did you pick up a camera and decide to kind of make that, you know, launch photography as a career? That's a great question. And I think the best answer I have for that is photography kept following me. And I felt like after a while, it would be in my best interest to turn around and look at it. I think for a long time, I was, I was very much in the shoes of being an actor, pursuing that, wanting to make that my career focus. And over and over again, you have so many friends in the industry that they all in common, they need good photos of themselves. And that's something I've been drawn to since high school. I would, that was back in the olden days of film, uh, taking people's senior pictures. And I absolutely loved it. Even doing art back in high school, almost everything I ended up honing in on would be drawing photos that later on, I think I only noticed this about five years ago, everything I ever drew a picture of was based off of a photo. And so eventually you start realizing, well, maybe I should be taking the photo part and actually making it my own. It felt like it was a natural segue just because performance wise, Photography, you are still a showman. It's still drawing on really real parts of how to emote. It's, it's wonderful working with other human beings. It's more of a collaborative, both of you are the director and the performer getting to work together with it. So I'd say throughout my 20s, 
I started more and more segueing into photography. It, it felt like that was more my path. Uh, acting was something that I loved doing. I think I had some specific check marks I wanted to hit off, but photography, the doors kept opening. And after a while, I think it, it just meant, it meant I should be listening. So I started honing in on that and it took a good, I think five years of really switching gears into making it more business savvy because I think I fell into the, well, I'm an artist, not a business person, as opposed to, well, I'm an artist and a business person. So there's a lot of <laughs> necessary trial and error, just like with acting, when you are your own brand as a photographer, you are your own brand. So there's, there's a lot of beautiful overlap. So I think they've, they've been woven together really well. Well, and uh, you mentioned uh, this a bit as far as how acting and your time on stage and backstage as a choreographer really kind of fed your um, journey into photography. Is there anything specific in your experience uh, as both an actress and a choreographer that now shapes your approach to the way that you work with actors, um, you know, behind the camera? It does. It does. I think one of the biggest things learning as an actor was how to read the room. And when you're working in a photographic setting, the room I'm reading is you. <laughs> and the room you're reading is me. So half of it, it's, it's still using the same kind of energy where you're feeding off of the room. Only the room is now an individual. So you're, you're each having your own one man show with each other. But what's beautiful and actually even more vulnerable about, vulnerable about it is that you're not playing a character necessarily you have to actually show yourself to the camera. I have to show you me to you so you can feel comfortable and like you can trust me because that ends up, it, it's a wonderful relationship to have photographically. It, I think it's important to have a sense of trust, a sense of play, uh, a sense of imagination with it. So I feel like the more, the more I was able to draw on doing things when I was on stage or working like with movement, with choreography as well. It's how do you hold your body? What is something that exudes confidence? Uh, what's something that can just bring a warmth to the face that feels like it's engaging? So all of that, it's all storytelling and it's all visual storytelling. And I think even though it's more of a still frame of a story, what you are saying to the camera there's a reason why there's now a cliched um, saying of a photo is worth a thousand words. You can tell an entire story in your face. It's amazing. So that that's how I ended up, I think, making that crossover into, oh, these are both very related, theater and photography. Now you mentioned that trust. Do you think that trust that you, that you develop, that kind of the rapport makes people open up a little more and, and looser and more relaxed when you do a, a photo shoot? Definitely, definitely. And my biggest approach with doing photo work with people is I recognize it's super vulnerable and super awkward to have this black box put into your face and say, hey, can you show me your soul? It's awkward. <laughs> and that's totally okay. And that's totally normal. So it's my job to do the work so you can just show up and be you. And that takes a process too. So it's making sure that people feel safe, that they feel understood, that they know that I have their back. And the more comfortable you can get in front of the camera, the more we get to see of you. And that's what we want. It's the same thing when you're in an audition, people wanna see you. So I'm an extension of that. I want everyone to be able to look at a photo, then look up at you and say, ah, I feel like I know you. 
Seattle actor Zandy Carlson is a friend of the show and recommended we speak with you. Uh, what other actors and organizations have you worked with in Seattle professionally? And and as kind of a follow-up to that, how has COVID affected your ability to work, your level of work, any, you know, any of those kind of adjustments you've had to make? Well, definitely. So photographically speaking, I think when I was an actor, I tended to gear a little more musical theater-wise. So that was anywhere from like Arts West Village uh, co-productions with Fifth Avenue and Act Theater. And... For photographically speaking, I worked alongside Showtunes theaters uh, pretty regularly for their season. So any of the promotional materials you would end up seeing, I would work with the actors and we'd end up making an entire scope of what the production would look like from that. Or uh, like the marquees you would see at Village Theater, the last one I got to do was She Loves Me. So I got to work with two of the lead actors with that. And getting to see the work on a billboard, that was amazing. Or uh, Seattle Public Theater, that's not specifically musicals, but years back doing same thing like poster design for it. You want to be able to have something that has that intrigue right away. (laughs) So people want to come and see the show. So working alongside a lot of those theatrically. And so the last thing I got to do was probably something I was the most proud of that never saw the light of day because of COVID was doing a co-production between a sensible theater company and Showtunes Theater doing Lacage. And we got to use the most beautiful setup with some of the most talented people you've ever seen with this gorgeous, colorful, interesting, gender bending, fabulous cinematic lighting, 19 person cast that you got to work with. And it was gorgeous. And COVID happened a week after we wrapped the session. And so those images have never really seen the light of day except to the cast. So COVID's rough uh, when your entire career is based off of interacting with other human beings and then those human beings are hidden away. It, uh, one out of 10, very bad, would not recommend. (laughs) Well, hopefully, hopefully we're on the upswing and uh, we get to see those photos eventually, if if nowhere else uh, in your portfolio. Definitely. And there's a couple sneakily added into that. And it definitely does feel like it's on the upswing. I'm starting to get actually quite a tremendous surge of actors that I feel like with the blooming of the spring, there's also the reemergence of performers saying, I would like a sunbeam in my face. I'm going to get a haircut and I want to feel <laughs> like a person again. So... You want that sun sun kissed look? Yeah, so you have the nice like lumberjack look, and then you have your glam look. You get to do whatever you like at this point to, I think, kind of reset yourself to start going back into the world. And I've, I'm getting my second vaccination on Saturday, so I feel like that also gives me a little more leeway to anything that makes people feel more comfortable. World's weird, so if if this can help make it easier. My my wife and I have taken a few photos for some friends uh, yeah. actually throughout COVID. And so that's one of the things we told him is, uh, if need be, we'll use a zoom lens. Keep that fantastic. It's amazing right? how, what you can accomplish while still being like fifteen to twenty feet away. Right. From yeah, the technology <laughs> exists. So it does. Let, let's talk a little bit. Now you said you're you're back out and about doing headshots. I think that's fantastic. It's part of the reason that we we timed this interview uh, when we did because you know with spring and things opening back up again, it's exciting and uh, we want people to to seek you out. How do headshots and branding photography differ? That's that's one of the questions that, that we had after you know looking at your portfolio. Um, is it specific? Are headshots specific to an individual? 
is branding specific to a business? Um, you know, if, if Greg and I needed, uh, photographs for the podcast, would that fall under headshots or branding? Maybe you could differentiate for us a bit. Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, and the short answer of that is they're both the same and different. It depends on what you need them for. I'd say headshots is a lot more cut and dry. So if it's something that represents you industry specific, that's predominantly for, I'd say, actors, writers, LinkedIn portfolios uh, for, for people that just need that. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. This is me. Branding includes headshots, but it also gives a more thorough scope. So for instance, if you had just the closet of all closets that you are <laughs> you are now filming your podcast in <laughs> and you wanted that represented, that includes more of the lifestyle um, elements that you're having with it. So it feels like it's more, more part of your environment. So it tends to show you more actively a part of the world that you are trying to show people. So working with like business coaches, I'll have different things where they're working on their computers. They are sipping their coffee. There's something that feels like this is me as a human also doing my job because all of the branding is supposed to, just like headshots, give a scope of what this person is like, what kind of colors speak to them, what kind of style speaks to them. For headshots, I'd say it's it hones in so much more on about like a three quarters up on your body so it's more honed in on your face. It's more giving a really quick message. Branding is something that tells a longer form story. So it really just depends on what you need it for. I'll have a lot of performers that will also do branding because they have things like coaching. They have, they have a, a bunch of different needs for it. So I'm starting to get more and more people doing a branding session that includes headshots as opposed to just straight up headshots. But there, there's really no wrong way of doing it. It just depends on what you need. So if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, is it, would you say there's more action involved in a branding shoot than headshots? Definitely. Headshots is a little bit more um, where I aim to make it as not like a passport photo as possible. We're still taking strolls around. I want to make sure people feel like they have some life into the photos, even if it's just a headshot. Branding, we tend to physically be moving around, putting you in different spots, getting more of your full body, getting you in, in motion for whatever you are doing, having a conversation and clicking while we're doing it. Uh, other podcast hosts that I've actually had that are featured on my portfolio, they are physically reciting something that they've done and I'm taking pictures of it. It's really awesome because then you get to have this whole gateway into someone's expertise while you're capturing it. It's really, really fun. What is the real value of those for an actor? And, and you, you've kind of um, implied some of this uh, through the discussion sure. we just had, but, and the benefit of seeking out professional headshots more specifically than having a friend go do them or, or go into the park and having, you know, oh, yeah. doing selfies and things like that. Yeah. The, I guess the, 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 the value add from the professional side, what does that bring uh, for an actor? Oh, it brings everything for the actor. This is speaking from someone, I think we all had this for our first headshots where it was probably on the most distracting brick wall possible, or you have some kind of flowers <laughs> or trees in the background going, yes, this is my entrance into professional acting. And then you look back at it, on it like a decade later going, oh dear God, why, why did I do that? And, and you don't know what you don't know. But a lot of those initial photos where you're thinking, no, I'm saving money and I'm gonna have a friend do this, when a casting director sees it, what they are seeing is, I'm new at this. 
And so the goal of having professional photos is saying, I know what I'm doing. It's an extension of you. And it's the first thing they see besides you specifically. So it says a lot to them being able to see what you know to do to showcase yourself. It's the same thing if you want to have really strong material to impress them. You want a strong visual that goes alongside that, that helps make their decision easier about you. So I think it's so important. It's the same thing of when anytime you're walking down the street, we are very visual creatures. So if you have something that really catches your eye and leaves an imprint on you in a good way on your brain, that is the best thing you can have alongside having fantastic material, just like you want to go in prepared and memorized. Do yourself a favor, like make sure that you don't skimp out on having that. You, you want to put forth the same amount of effort for your visual and the, the content of your audition. So it's important. It's not even saying go with me. It's, it's go with someone that... <laughs> That is going to put you in the best light that knows your angles, that that knows how to make you look polished. Well, when I was a kid, I used to write to, you know, I think everybody does this, right? Write to, you know, your idols and actors and people all across the the the, the board. And I used to get these black and white photos of just the guy's head or the yeah. woman's head. Oh, yeah. And I used to think that I guess that's a headshot. You know, it's a shot of a head. It's it's and, and they had the name at the bottom. So I figured that was. It and then we had an actor that uh, another friend of the show, Sarah Summers from uh, from LA, who sh- on her headshots they're bright, you know, vibrant colors. She's happy in some, she's you know pensive in others, and it's just completely turned the 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 balance for me on what a headshot was compared to those things. So from that, I mean, there's black and white and color and and things like that. I imagine you recommend a variety or, or how do you go about that when you have a client as far as what you recommend for different styles of, of shots? Oh, totally. Part of it depends on the market you're going into. If you have someone in LA, for example, you want to have really specific types that you are going for. So, and it tends to be really vivid colors and something that's going to have more of a prototype of, here's me being quirky. Here's me being pensive. Here's law and order shot. Here's my, I might be a murderer (laughs) shot. Here's my, I'm the leading lady or the leading man shot. And you make it very, very cut and dry with that. Uh, My style tends to, I spent more time in New York. So it tends to be a little more ambiguous street, something that is still going to have a bit of a type, a facet of you. So you want things that are going to be warm. You want things that are going to be a little more dramatic. And and by dramatic, I don't mean that means you look like you have a headache and the worst day ever. Dramatic can look so cool. (laughs) That's my favorite thing is having like the 25-year-old guy Shakespearean actor who just like gives you all forehead and it's very furrowed because that's his serious actor actor shot. And you it's you don't have to work so hard. It's it's tell me something important with your eyes. It's going to read as soulful, which will read as dramatic. I think it's really important to make sure that you give a scope. You should never just have one headshot. I think it should be audition specific because if you have that really pensive shot, you ne- you don't necessarily want to send it in for a production of 42nd Street. You know, things like that where it's it's again, read the room. What do you want them to see about you? Show them that. So I think it's really important to make sure that you you have that variety so you can really quickly say, yep, this fits. Something that I appreciated, uh, just uh, the, the little bit I know as an amateur photographer, uh, reading through your, uh, looking at your portfolio and reading through 
your materials on your website is your use of natural light. Um, Greg alluded to the old style headshot, which ends up looking a little bit more like a mugshot. Uh, you, you like to use natural light, and um, we have some amazing, uh, for lack of a better term, that, that beautiful kind of filtered gray light out here in the Pacific Northwest. Can you tell us a little bit about what the benefit in your mind is of outdoor photography versus um, maybe inside a studio, uh, a little more static, uh, where most people might kind of expect a headshot to be taken? Mm, that's a great question. And at this point, I actually don't know if most people would expect something to be indoors. Uh, for the past decade, I've been doing things mostly outdoors. And that's not to say that I don't shoot indoors and that I can't use off-camera flash or using different lights. I personally, for myself, I think people are more comfortable when you put them in a natural setting. A lot of times I see people more stiff if I'm meeting them in an office, if I'm shooting indoors, where because I'm such a motion-oriented person, I like to get my clients walking around. I like to give them different things to look at. I have a lot of like ambiguous city streets or we start off at like a local cafe or something just to chat for a few minutes and then kind of set, set the tone to be a little more neutral as opposed to putting in a studio where I generally feel more stiff. And I think a lot of people that I've worked with also do. So it's a way to just get the nerves out. Uh, so it doesn't feel so, as you were saying, static. That being said, there's always a time and a place for that. And I've done it. I prefer not to. And it's worked actually pretty well being the world's been so weird this past year that shooting indoors puts on a lot of challenges. So I rented different studios at this point. The co-working space and studio that I had been using prior to COVID, unfortunately, rest in peace, did not make it through the pandemic. So this is more my means of I know how to keep people dry. I know how to keep people warm. I love being outside. And because the backgrounds are so ambiguous anyway, because I use a very narrow depth of field or bokeh, depending on what you call it, I just like it better. I like the air. I like the Pacific Northwest. I like the freedom of being able to move around. So that that's what works best for me. So if that's other people's style, I think it gives a really beautiful, natural just more authentic look because that's more how you're seeing human beings in real life. So I like to capture what you're actually going to look like in real life because you're not walking around with a softbox in front of you or having a, a flash in your face for it. So it's like, this is what a person's going to look like on the street or in an audition room. So my whole goal is making it look as true to life as possible because I want people to be able to recognize you from the shot. Well, speaking of real life, we're talking about headshots. And, and I think there's no argument that an actor needs headshots to uh, succeed but what about these is that enough these days what about body shots full length body shots do you mm -hmm. think that that an actor should have those as part of his or her portfolio as well definitely definitely especially if you're doing more tv film commercial work uh, most of the top agencies here that i work alongside they require it so if you are submitting things for them they want to make sure you have legs so you want to make <laughs> sure you have a photo where you can see that you have legs and just to see your overall body shape, because seeing only shoulders up on a person, that's great to give them smile, eyes, things like that. But for any kind of print, runway, TV work, they want to have a scope of what, what all of you looks like. So I think, yeah, it's definitely important to have that. And so I always recommend people, like, if you have a sassy pair of boots, if you have, a, like, a power suit or something, anything that makes you feel good from head to toe, I think it's great to bring it. And it's even better to make sure we get a few really awesome shots of that. On top of that, it's just good to have 
really flattering photos of yourself, whether or not you're going to use them for an audition. Theater, I haven't seen it be necessarily used often, but definitely for commercial TV film work. And if nothing else, it looks great on plentyoffish.com. Ah, uh, yeah. Or dating profiles or what have you. You can do whatever you need. <laughs> Well, our guest is Danielle Barnum, headshot, branding, family, grad, and wedding photographer from Seattle. Uh, check out her portfolio and to learn more about her photography services at inspiredbydanielle.com. When we come back, she'll share her tips uh, for actors, specifically about planning a headshot photo shoot and offer her suggestions on things like wardrobe and poses and more. So stick with us. We'll be right back uh, right here on Heilman and Haver. And welcome back to Heilman and Haver. Today is March 26th, and happy 71st birthday to Canadian funny man Martin Short. The extremely versatile Mr. Short is an alumni of both SCTV and SNL, best known for his roles in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and as his alter ego, Jiminy Glick. Short was Mel Brooks' first choice to star opposite Nathan Lane as Leo Bloom in his Broadway version of The Producers. Also born today, one decade earlier, James Caan. Masculine and enigmatic, Khan began impressing audiences in the 1960s, appearing alongside equally tough guys John Wayne and Robert Mitchum in El Dorado. Francis Ford Coppola took notice and cast him as hot-tempered Santino Sonny Corleone, which earned him an Oscar nod for Best Supporting Actor in 1973. After his career sputtered a bit in the 70s and 80s, Khan reasserted himself not as a tough guy, but as the meek writer held captive in misery in 1990 and charmed audiences in 2003 and every Christmas since as Walter, Buddy the Elf's unbelieving father. And born today in 1934, the man who appeared alongside James Caan in 1974's cop buddy movie, Freebie and the Bean, Alan Arkin. A four-time Oscar nominee going back all the way to the 1960s, uh, Arkin finally won in 2006 for his supporting role as foul-mouthed Grandpa Hoover. Equally capable of playing serious roles like PV in The Rocketeer or George Aronow in Glengarry Glen Ross or funny men like Captain Yossarian in Catch-22, Arkin honed his comedy chops as a founding member of the Second City Improv Troupe. And it's logical to close out the birthdays today with the best-loved half-human, half-Vulcan in this or any other universe, Mr. Spock himself, the late Leonard Nimoy. To millions and multiple generations of Star Trek fans, Nimoy, who passed away in 2015, was a folk hero with his baritone voice, pointy ears, and signature salute and blessing. Live long and prosper. And speaking of prospering, if you're interested in prospering as an actor, you need to get in touch with our guest, photographer Danielle Barnum. She's an expert in capturing the essence of artists and their brands, and uh, you can sample her work and get more info on her website, inspiredbydanielle.com, also linked in the show notes. So Danielle, what would you say is the most important thing to look for when uh, someone is shopping a headshot or branding photographer? Great question. Make sure you like their work. <laughs> that, that might sound a little straight, but I think that's the most important thing. When you're shopping around, if you think their work resonates with you, that's the good pick for you. If you don't like their style, you're not going to like your headshots. <laughs> it's like it, it's uh, I think one of my favorite funny things that I'll get every once in a while is someone will inquire with me and say, I want to get my headshots taken with you. And then they'll send me a photo from, and this has happened a few times from it's he's a very, very famous photographer in New York, Peter Hurley. And they'll show me this picture like that. And this is a 
very high key white background, hugely studio produced, awesome horizontal shots, smizing ferocious picture. And that's his staple. This guy is amazing. He's also about 1500 bucks a headshot. It is nothing like my style. <laughs> and I'll have people go saying, I want you to take my headshots. Can you make it look like this? And I'll say, yes, if I was Peter Hurley. Yeah. You can't afford me. You can't afford me if I were that. So it's the, it's the same thing of like, I try to make it really clear on my website. Look at my portfolio. What you are seeing is what we're going to be getting. So the use of how the backgrounds look, how the people look in it, how people are styled. After a while, you're going to notice every photographer who's really, I think, an expert in their field, they're going to have a style that after a while, your eye's going to be able to tell, oh, this is this person's work. This is this person's work. So if you can then insert yourself into their portfolio and you like it, you're going to like their work. So make sure that <laughs> make sure that, that style looks like something that you're going to be really happy with, uh, because what you're seeing is pretty likely what you're going to get. Well, I think that's what drew us to you uh, was the fact that, uh, and, and like we mentioned earlier, you you really offer photography for so many different occasions, branding, uh, weddings, graduations, but there is that consistent style, that natural light, that outdoor setting. You know, you look at enough of your photos, it's very obvious that, that those are all your body of work. Yeah, it's trying to have a consistent voice, I think. So I have my own brand, just like anyone else would. So it tends to be more creamy, dreamy light. I have a little bit of a vivid color pop and make sure the eyes really stand out. Uh, expression wise, I want it to look like I caught someone in the middle of a thought. Uh, and those are things that mean a lot to me. It's what I find interesting in a photo. So I'm looking for that the entire time we're having a session. Uh, if you're looking for someone to give you like a really ferocious look, go get that photographer, that's awesome. Or someone who's going to do more of like a glamorous look awesome, go find them. Like, I will be so happy to take your photos if I'm the right kind of photographer for you. And if I'm not, I'm sure that there's other ones that are, that are going to be amazing too. It's just a matter of seeing like, who speaks to you? Who are you gonna feel the most comfortable with? Look on photographers' websites. And if you're a good people person, you're, it's going to be able to be seen on your website through the copy that you have. So through the writing that you have on your website. So you can get a little bit of a sense of who you're working with. And also if the photos are good, usually that means that people were comfortable with them. Now, if everyone looks like a model on it, and maybe they are, and that tends to be more of like the Los Angeles market. Yeah, they may have a leg up for like really exclusively beautiful people, but like there should be room for you to see yourself in their work. And that's, I think, going to give you the best outcome for it. Price, I think, should be after that. Because if you're going for the cheapest or the most expensive, for whatever reasons you're looking for, you might miss the actual soul of what you're really wanting to go for to see yourself in a photo. So look for that. Well, obviously, as you build your style and the, the kind of look that you become known for, the choices you make obviously inform that. So one of those choices would be location. So where are your favorite places to shoot? And then, you know, along those lines, how long does a shoot typically take? Oh, that's fun. So around in Seattle, I have probably about seven or eight pre-scouted areas. So I choose different neighborhoods around Seattle, all strategically around my favorite local businesses, because I like to support them by getting a coffee there, chatting with the client before we start off. It's, it's a way of giving back to the neighborhoods too, and also to give a little more visibility of the coffee shops I like. 
Also, bless Seattle for being really good at having overhangs because they provide a great reflective surface and they provide a great coverage in case we get weird drizzles. So different areas is anywhere from Ballard to Fremont to Wallingford to Capitol Hill to Georgetown to you, you name it. I, I try to gauge where people are coming from and meet them halfway on things. Uh, I used to a lot when I had more of a studio space that I was able to use. Uh, that was like corner of Wallingford and Fremont. So hopefully that will end up being a location that one day we'll come back. We will see. Has anybody asked you to take photos at a specific place or, or is that the location usually left up to you? For headshots specifically, that's generally left up to me just because I know what's going to work right off the bat. That being said, if you have something that's more specific to branding, if someone has an office or a home space that they're really, really keen on, that's great. Uh, I'm, like tomorrow, I'm traveling to someone's Bellevue location, and I'm, we're going to make it work because that's just what they need. In general, for headshots, especially with actors, I know what's going to look good. I know what's going to end up feeling right for it. So it's usually left up to me, and I won't steer you wrong on it. But for branding, if you're like, this is my type of place or my favorite spot, yeah, let me know. I'm up for an adventure. Hey, Greg, I think we need to have her take our shots uh, interviewing the troll under the bridge. You did say Fremont. That would be great. I have photographed people around the troll bridge. That's more for things like branding or senior pictures. But hey, that troll has gotten some love and some people sitting on him for photos. He's got some stories to tell. He's got so many stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> so the follow-up question then was, how long does a shoot typically take? That depends. Uh, I have a couple different options if it's just specifically headshots where I have a basic session. So that ends up being two outfits or looks, depending on how you want to call it, and up to an hour. Uh, I try to use time really well, and I don't think I need to take too long with it because I don't want to fatigue your face. If you start twitching, <laughs> trying to smile, we've gone too long. So I'd say about the first 10 minutes are just us chatting and I usually ask for people to come already wearing something they'd like to be photographed in. So I get a sense of what it looks like on them and if they look like they're comfortable in it. And then we proceed. And then about halfway through, then swap out for something else good. But I always also recommend people bring a few options to work with just in case one we're not really vibing with. So then we can end up going on to the next one. And then, oh, and that next one up for something that's more if you have a lot of looks, then I have more of what we call the deluxe package or what my mom affectionately calls the add bacon package, which I love. So that's more like four, four to five outfits and up to like two hours. And so we just have a, on a rotation of about maybe 20 minutes per outfit. And when we feel like we have it, then we have it, then we move on. That's a nice thing about having digital photos to work with is I can show you in real time, this is what we're getting. Do you like what we're getting? Cool, let's keep going. Or we don't like it, cool. Let's try a different outfit. But no COVID package where somebody's in, just in sweats, you know, and they are all day. <laughs> Why did I think of that? That's a brilliant idea where you just have popcorn, a beer, your sweatpants that you've been wearing for three days. I think that seems right. That seems true. <laughs> show your true self. My true self. Yeah, or, just, or business casual from the waist up and boxer shorts from the waist down. See, this is brilliant. I think I need to hire you guys for promotional work here. That, that should be my spring sale. <laughs> <laughs> we can trade services. How involved are you in suggestions about wardrobe? Do you, uh, do you like people that, like you said, you, you have different packages um, for different, uh, different number of wardrobe uh, changes, but do you recommend a variety? Like, I mean, 
period costume, something that matches the actor's personality. I, I suppose it does depend on what they're going to be using it for, but you know, business casual, you know, that sort of thing. What do you what do you find is is the most versatile for uh, artists and actors? Ah, uh, Renaissance period outfits. I think. Oh, no, good. All right, I got yes, a closet no, full. Just, <laughs> whatever you have laying around, that's a, or pirates. Uh, <laughs> pirates no. are good. Oh, pirates are good. Yeah. The end. <laughs> that is. My <laughs> uh, no, I think it definitely depends on what you are going for. But to be on the safe side is a make sure you're wearing things you feel comfortable in. Because if you don't feel good in it, it's gonna show. <laughs> uh, I always recommend. For more of a basic headshot, you want to have focus on more solid color tops, something with a burst of color that's going to bring out your complexion, your eyes that feel good, something that has a scoop neck, a V-neck. Try to avoid things like turtlenecks or boat necks or really busy stripes or patterns because we want the focus to be on you. You are the most important thing. The, the wardrobe's secondary. I think a lot of people get almost more nervous about what to wear for headshots than even how their face looks. And I just want people to feel more relaxed about that. Like, we're gonna be okay. Whatever you brought will make the outfit work. It's not as important as the moneymaker up here. Pastels sometimes are a little difficult or really bright red or really black black if you have dark hair. So yeah, it's important to bring a variety of things from more of that business casual you can never go wrong with. Uh, really dressed up business. It depends on what you're going for. I say in Seattle, it isn't used as much, but again, it depends on what your niche is. And then having something that's more of a dress down everyday look or having something that feels just really polished. So it's good to bring a blend of that. Do you ever have uh, actors get in touch with you for headshots for specific projects? Yes. Where they would do something like with a period costume specifically for a role that they're going after? They'll have something that I think it's more leaning into. So it's more of an inspirational look than it is a very like hitting it head on by really dressing up now that we're going with a pirate thing. Like you're not dressing like <laughs> a pirate, but you're going to have something that feels a little more roughed up, something that feels uh, like it has a bit more grit to it. Gotcha. Or if you're having something that's a, a little more upscale or more of a period piece, having something that just has more of a regal look to it outfit wise. And again, I think it's really fun if you're able to really see what you feel you're best in. It's how you stand and how you walk in those outfits. And it's going to really affect your posture. It's going to affect how you hold your neck, how you end up smiling, how you smirk, how you end up having a little bit of that sparkle in your eyes. Like it, it's how you're decorating yourself. So the wardrobe is important that way. So having, having those types of different cuts and colors. And also like take a couple selfies of yourself in it and make sure you like it. Cause some things look amazing on you just as you're walking around and in a photo, you go, oh no, that did not, <laughs> oh no, like super flowy things that in theory look fabulous. And then it looks like you're wearing a very fancy pillowcase in a photo. So, because you lose that motion where you get to see a full human in it. Uh, same thing with like just a white button up. You, it tends to just look like a toga. <laughs> well, with the flowy thing, you need to put the fan in front of them, like Stevie Nicks. You need to do that. If you're going to yeah. go for it, get the Beyonce blowout look, like do it. But <laughs> if you don't have that option, maybe scale it back a little bit. <laughs> so what about uh, the emotions that somebody brings to headshots? If someone has a particular role in mind or something that they're going after, they're looking for headshots for that. Do you, 
like them to use the same sort of emotions and facial expressions that they want for that role? Or do you like a variety just so to make those more generalized? Well, let's, let's talk about that a minute. I think if you have something, for instance, that's a little more dramatic period piece, something for it. One of the things that I would tell people is like, as a general, most people have seen something like Game of Thrones. So it's channel, channel a character in that, that you would want not the actor playing it, but you. And then lean into something there. What are they thinking about? What do you want to say in that moment? Is it more of the, I run this place and I'm gonna have much more of a powerhouse look to it versus something that's just a really joyful smile. It's the same thing if they're going for something highly comedic, I want them to dress in something that's bold and I wanna try to make you giggle. Like I'm gonna to try to earn the emotion out of you, but I think it, yeah, it is really important to make sure that the emotions are true. Uh, so you're not having to act for me because there's something that really sparkles when something feels like you're really talking through your eyes. So I wanna make sure people have, yes, a variety, but I wanna make sure it, it fits the type of character that they're going for. So if they're, again, doing a really comedic lighthearted piece, I'm not gonna put them in front of a, like a black background and have them scowl. That would be silly. <laughs> so you, it's, and I think it's a lot easier than what people really think. It's we're just going to relax and have a good time with it. And, and I direct enough through it. So you have an idea of this is a way to communicate something that is going to fit the type of realm of character you're going for. How many, how many frames do you suspect that you take in a particular uh, photo shoot? I mean, given that it's dig everything's digital now, I assume there's more freedom there than in yeah. the film days. How many do I take? Uh, I think I feel safer saying how many I deliver. Because here's the thing is, because it's so active, I'm clicking a ton. So if someone is in the middle of like bursting out laughing, I'm going to have eight shots of that from the moment their mouth starts to open and when that smile hits its peak and then getting it on its way down. Some of those are even, they're going so fast or someone's gonna mid blink. So I, just, I get a ton of them. And then I look through the frames and make sure that we, we get rid of the ones that were not working. So I, I don't deliver images that are going to be like out of focus, hilariously bad blinking shot, wind entirely in your face, unless it's really funny, then we keep it. But uh, I say I deliver anywhere from like 55 images up to like, I'm, I'm delivering one tomorrow that ended up being about 170. Wow. That was a really intensive thing. And that, that's definitely on the high end because even though it feels like that's amazing to have that many options, your brain can also melt looking at that many options for yourself. You all start looking alike after a while. Yeah. And after a while, your brain just can't process that. And you're going, is that what my face looks like? And no, that's not what your face looks like. Your brain is just melting. You smiled so many times, your face is frozen that way, just like your mom always warned you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd say it, there's a huge range depending again on, I'd say like, Never any fewer than 55. Those are the proofs then that somebody looks at and chooses. I want, you know, these five or Oh, whichever. proofs. I remember proofs. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm old. I'm sorry. There's no, no I love it. Are you I talking celluloid, it. man? Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we are just talking about restoring films a couple episodes That's ago. That's right. So <laughs> beautiful. No, this is this is good nostalgia. So, no, no proofs. Uh, what, what I end up doing with all of them is, I get rid of, or it's called culling, uh, the ones that aren't going to work or repeats or things like that. And then the rest of them go on to an online gallery for you after I do a little bit of like finessing to the entire gallery. So it gets a little, little pizzazz, a little zhuzh 
So I do a little bit of a color pop, a little bit of sharpening, a little a gentle skin smoothing to it. So you still look like a human. <laughs> it just looks really, really nice. And then all of those go into an online gallery as high resolution JPEGs. And with one click of a button, you can download that entire gallery in their high res to your own desktop like magic. Because I like easy and I want people to have access to all of their stuff right away. Whether or not they choose to get things further retouched or not, all of the pictures are yours. Use them forever. Show them to everyone. Do what you want. They are yours. <laughs> oh, that's that's a fantastic value. Having having looked at a lot of the uh, the offerings out there, where you get to you know three. <laughs> so speaking of zhuzh, which I, I assume is a technical term known only zhuzh. to photographers, zhuzh. Zhuzh. Hair, hair and makeup. Um, do you do you consult on hair and makeup, uh, or do you work with local artists that you recommend? I do both. Okay. I am a tremendous advocate, and I think I've said this a few times, so I want to keep coming back to this is I want you to look like yourself. That is the best thing you can do for yourself for a headshot. So if you feel really confident with your own hair and makeup, please do it. If you don't trust a professional with it, absolutely. At this point, I wish I could give you more specific people that I work alongside with because of COVID. A lot of people are not working anymore that I've uh, referred people to for hair and makeup. But there's different places, even like like Swink Style Bar in downtown Seattle. They do a, a pretty good like daytime look that just gives you maybe 20% more uh, of like blush, mascara things. Uh, and that to be said, this isn't something that just women should do. If, if you're someone who like has some blemishes or bags under your eyes and you're a guy, great. Put a little bit of lead foundation over that. I, I feel like it should be an equal opportunity for everyone to have a little bit of a powder or whatever they want. That being said, you also don't have to. When I edit through things, your skin is going to look clear. If you ended up having like an acne thing for it, that's something that I can magically take away via Photoshop. So you're gonna be okay. But a couple times what I've seen happen is people will show up to a headshot session and they don't quite recognize themselves because they went randomly to a Mac store or something and just said, do my makeup. And that I wouldn't suggest because this person has never seen you before. They don't quite know what you're going for. So they might be glamming you up for a night out on the town and really you want something <laughs> that's going to look like you at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. So, <laughs> right? So so it's, it's more of a complicated question. I'd say about 70% of people just come doing their own. Uh, I think it's also good to bring a bag of extra makeup just if you want to add a little bit more onto it. But again, there are trusted people around town, and and I wish I could give you more names specific right now. I'm just that's okay. Th think about it, uh, and, and if you come up with some names, we'll have them on and talk to them. Oh, I love that. I'll check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spread the love. Totally spread the love. So we've been talking about uh, headshots and and photography, mostly around actors and going for roles and marketing themselves in that vein. But you've also done photography. A photography for CEOs and other people. And we've kind of alluded to some of that earlier on. So where else, other than some of the things we've talked about, can people use this sort of photography to help market themselves? Oh, everywhere. It really depends on what you want to use it for. We have so many digital platforms now that if you're someone who has your own website, which I really recommend building, they're really easy to do at this point or hiring out someone to make one for you. So if you're someone who, if you're a fight choreographer, if you're a dancer, if you are any kind, if you are a CEO, anything, this can be from LinkedIn to Facebook, to Instagram, to 
what have you to having sending out things, emails and having, having a blip of you two dating profiles, two things for your grandma to have on her wall. It is really like sky's the limit on what you end up using them for. So business wise, I'd say most, most frequently I'm seeing them digitally used for promotional things, whether it's for like Google or Facebook ads for something they're working on. If it's show related, if it's a company related thing, if there's any kind of promotional materials, I'd say. So you can get creative on what that's going to look like for you. And we have a purpose for it. Where can folks see your portfolio? How can they find you and follow your work? You've got inspiredbydanielle.com, obviously. How, how, do you, how do you like to hear from folks? Oh, I love to hear from folks, period. So you can shout from the rooftop here and I'll just, I'll just come out and find you. Or uh, easier ways would be, you can honestly just type in Danielle Barnum Photography into Google and I will be the first thing that pops up with it. And the website is inspiredbydanielle.com or on Instagram, it's Danielle Barnum Photography or on Facebook, it's Danielle Barnum Photography. <laughs> that makes it easy. Yeah, it makes it pretty easy. Um, if, you, if you find me on my personal Facebook page, it will definitely be slower going uh, just because I'm not as good with just as a human using Facebook. Business platforms I'm much faster with. So website, if you want to contact me, I have a booking page. So just shoot me an inquiry, take a look at some of the options, the portfolio, see what fits your fancy and, and we'll build something for you. Excellent. Well, awesome. thank you so much for your time, Danielle. We've really enjoyed it and learned a lot. Thank you. You guys are wonderful. Thanks so much for being so informative and kind and warm. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> our pleasure. All right. Well, thank you again to our guest, Danielle Barnum. For more information and to book a session with Danielle, visit her website, inspiredbydanielle.com. And you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram, as we've just talked about, both linked in the show notes. Tune in next Friday, April 2nd, when we'll be joined by friend of the show, UK film critic Matthew Turner. We'll give, his, give us his take on the Oscar race and share info about his month-long viewing event pre-code April, celebrating all things noir. And remember, Heilman and Haver can now be heard every week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend. We'd love to hear from you, so please join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter and email us with thoughts and comments at heilmanandhaver at gmail.com. And until we're treading the boards together again, thank you so much for supporting local theater and for joining us right here on Heilman and Haver. 